0: Welcome to those who don't know me, I'm Kero O'Shea, the coordinator of the voice and host for this evening's webinar. A particular welcome to RI director elect Jesse Harmon and the district governors, governors elect, nominees, past DGs, Rotarians, actors, and friends who are with us tonight. Thank you all for joining in. Firstly, and very importantly, I acknowledge the Noongar, Wadjuk people who are traditional custodians here in Perth on the land on which I'm hosting tonight's webinar. I acknowledge the strength of their continuing culture and offer my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Now I'd like to introduce Darcy. Darcy Walsh is a fascinating guy. He's got an amazing international business and professional profile over a period of 35 years, working as a specialist in various education areas in terms of displacement, resettlement, consultation, policy development, institutional capacity, building peace initiatives, poverty alleviation and project management uh, in general. Darcy's been a Rotarian for 27 years and has done some wonderful leadership stuff. Most importantly in terms of tonight being the design and delivery of the Rotary Adelaide turnaround model, which was, of course, collaborative with other presidents. Darcy has distilled the Rotary Adelaide model to five simple generic steps that any club can implement. He's here tonight to help other clubs achieve a sustainable growth profile. So on that note, I'm really pleased to introduce Darcy Walsh. Over to you, please, Darcy.
1: Well, thanks very much, Caro, and and also Jesse. And it's a pleasure for me tonight to give the second part to this Adelaide story, following on from David's presentation a couple of months ago. Uh, As David said back then, the, the Rotary Club of Adelaide, like most clubs in the developing world, back in 2015 had declining membership numbers, an ageing membership profile, our average age was 69 then, very low number of female and younger members, and very few members from different ethnic backgrounds. We were probably a, a disaster about to happen. We decreased some 30% over the uh, previous 15 years, about 10% a year for for each five years in that period. And we were wondering where we were going to be going. We were predominantly an ageing Anglo-Saxon male membership. And if you look at that photo at the bottom there, that's a photo of a luncheon meeting in February 2014 You can see the back of balding heads of some 65 men there, I think, and I think there's one woman stuck in the bottom right-hand corner. Something had to be done. It was time to change, and change we did. Look at us now. The uh, photo there at the bottom is the Rotary Club of Adelaide's Choir, which... uh, it has got 11 women and three men. Um, it's been set up by Yoti Singh, who's conducting it there. Yoti joined us from Belgium some four years ago, and um, she's a great member of our club. Since she's joined us, she got married and she's had a baby, and we're in the past we used to be announcing members having heart attacks and knee, biopi- knee, knee replacements and... And uh, um, even deaths, we now find we're uh, announcing that members are getting engaged, getting married, and having children. Things have really changed in the Rotary Club of Adelaide. So let's have a look at the let's have a look at the figures. Uh, since the first of July two thousand fifteen, you can see that our overall membership, and by that I mean the active members the honorary members and the friends of rotary uh, we we classify the friends as part of our membership group because they pay 225 bucks a year to be a friend and many of them actually donate to the rotary foundation and we think they're valuable members of our club so our total numbers in the last nearly 6 years have increased by 26 which is a 15% increase and if you look there at the number of Uh, members under 50 and the female members, they're pretty substantial rises. But you might say, how do you get such a substantial increase in females and members under 50 when your active members only increase by 10 and some 6%? We need to have a look at what happened here with respect to the active members. Now, since that 1st of July 2015, we've lost 60 active members, 29 have died, 12 of them have transferred to either honorary or friends, three were de- delisted, and 16 resigned. Unfortunately, six of those were uh, younger members, all five of the ones under 50 listed there, and one other one, because of prior to COVID, they had to move into state for employment, and a couple of them were actually on our board. So that was pretty disappointing. But we have attracted during this period some 70 new members, 28 of which are under 50 and 33 female members. So you can see that's why we've been able to make such a huge change in the demographic of our club. And you can see here, as we look at that specifically, we now have, 22.6% 22.6% of all our members are under 50, 25.6 of our members are female whereas previously that was 12 and 13%. Our average age has dropped from 69 to 61 and we now have members that were born in all of those countries, Brazil, Mexico, Italy, India, Pakistan, Vietnam, China and so on. And that's quite incredible and it's led to an enormous change in the nature And culture of our club and that's what's brought about many of the the changes and made them sustainable so how do we really turn this around well obviously we did lots of different things and some of those things we continue to do today some we've finished because that was part of a cycle some we've modified some we might revisit later but Collectively, the impact has been that we've completely changed the way we operate and and the culture of the club. Now, we're a large inner-city club and all clubs are a bit different. So what we've done may or may not work in every club. But if you look closely at what we did and you try and group it under a common philosophy or logic, you come up with what we call five generic steps, five groupings of all the activities we did to help turn around the club. But very quickly initially, and I'll go into details, those five holistic steps are developing an awareness and a commitment amongst members, getting the club ready to accept new members, finding these potential new members, getting them to join And then having done that, welcoming and retaining them. Now, let's look at details of each of those five steps. And in so doing, I'll I'll talk about some of the activities that we've done and and also some other ones that could be done. Uh, And um, I'm sure there are many other activities you could add to it. But essentially, if you don't get all of your members committed and aware that you have a problem, acknowledging the problem and agreeing to work together to solve it, you're not going to get very far down the track. This is a very crucial step and it's also quite time-consuming. Now, I've heard recently that um, I think in our district something like six presidents have resigned because they're attempting to undertake change within their club and they're back against that has brought about such friction that they've resigned. Now, that's very disappointing, but I'd say to them that if they had tried to get the whole membership to appreciate that the club had a problem and get them to commit to work together to solve that problem, they wouldn't have had to resign. Now, let's look at some of the things that we did at Adelaide uh, to bring about an awareness amongst all our Members and then a commitment to work together to turn the club around. Now, I was lucky to follow as president from David Egan, who's joined us again tonight. David was the president 2015-16, and I was 16-17. While he was president, I was also president-elect, but also membership director. So David and I spoke pretty regularly at club meetings during 2015 about. The problems that we were facing as a club were the ageing membership. Now, just one example was that a significant community and fundraising activity that we treasured and did every year was to sell the wood uh, from the Royal Adelaide show, wood chopping, a large amount of chips and wood left over and we would lift it all up and sell it to trailer loads of people and also give some away to elderly couples and individuals, uh, but our members were getting too old to do this. And we've now, we've maintained that by working with the Rotaract clubs that we support, and they now do most of the hard work. We just organise it and we share the profits with them. So that's great. But just using that as an example, there are a number of things which the club held dearly and treasured, but we were struggling to be able to do it because of the ageing profile of our membership. We also shared some video clips from Michael McQueen and Mark Huddleston about the need for change and the way Rotary Clubs should change to meet the future. These happened probably, you know, David, in David's year, I think we probably spent the best part of eight or nine months working this through this process of just getting the club members to be aware that we had a significant problem if we kept going the way we were. We discussed with them what other clubs were doing. We talked about what the Rotary Club at Yass was doing with their membership information nights. We spoke about how the Rotary Club of Sydney was getting rid of the sergeant session and the invocation and so on. We spoke about something that was pretty close to David's heart—the Port Adelaide Football Club—and uh, about how they were changing things and changing the culture of the club. Now, we could have uh, we could have talked about the Boy Scout movement. We could have talked about the Salvation Army, who are two other big organisations that have undergone in recent years substantial cultural change within their organisation. But the thing was we were talking about what other clubs were doing and how they were managing the change process because no-one really wants to change. Everyone's comfortable with what they're doing. But they will commit and and support change if they can see and acknowledge there is a problem and that a change may well address that problem and issue. (coughs) So having worked through this process, we then developed and implemented a membership focus within our strategic plan, which was a three-year process. From 2015, it was a three-year plan to 2018, and each year we span out from that plan an action plan for the year. Essentially it was the same, there we go, the same vision, purpose and objectives, but in the annual action plan we looked at, modifying the specific performance indicators or the targets that we had for each year. Now, what we were trying to do was develop a more vibrant, effective and proactive club where members enjoyed being actively engaged and contributing their talents, networks, time and resources in serving local and international communities, the club and one another. That's what we were really trying to do. We had two objectives to do that. Objective two was dealing with with our bringing together our fundraising and our community support activities, community development work and integrating that. But the one that we're interested in tonight was objective one. Objective one was about membership, to grow and renew and actively engage membership by attracting and retaining new business professional and community leaders And reinvigorating current membership through making meetings more enjoyable and by better use of members' vocational skills and abilities in the service of others. Now, each year we had a performance indicator for the action plan for that year. And in the 2016 17 year, the performance indicator in quality, quantity, and time dimensions. Was by the first of July two seventeen, we would have membership that's honorary, active, and friends in excess of one hundred and eighty five, and more than thirty five members under fifty, and and at least forty female members. Well, come the first of July two seventeen, we had one hundred and ninety one members. We had forty two members under fifty but we fell short on the females. We had 38 female members at that stage. And following that, in 218, the performance indicator was that we maintain a membership level around about 200 and that we endeavour to have something like about 35% of our members, which would be about 70 female members, at least, at least 35%. That's what we're aiming for. And at least 30 of our 30% of our members would be under 50. That would be on current figures around about 60. And we are we are working to that level, as you can see on those earlier figures pretty closely. So that was all the things, and, and I stress that this was an ongoing process. We just didn't walk in one day and say to them, we're going to change this, we're going to change that. Uh, because this is what we want to do and we want to get new members in and we want to keep them and so on. We, We made them all aware of the issues that were behind the need for change so that they could agree with us in moving forward together and make the changes needed. So at this point, having got them on side, we then need to have a look at ourselves because it's no good attracting new members or potential new members And they walk in the door and they find it's just not suitable to them. So we need to have a good look at ourselves to make sure we were attractive, professional and welcoming for new members to to come on board. And we did this in a number of ways. First of all, one of the big selling points of joining Rotary is we're part of a bigger picture, a big international look organisation that can make huge impact in this world, like the eradication of polio. Now, if we're proposing that that's, you know, what they're joining, then we should make sure we're aligned with the international RI brand. And as much as we loved our little Rotary Adelaide logo that we'd spent lots of time and money developing, uh, we had to let that go. We had to get aligned with the RI brand because that was part of the story. That was part of being part of the big picture. And we had to portray that in everything we did and said and how we presented our materials. We had a good look at ourselves. We did a lot of self-evaluation of the meeting. We did the RI health check. We we contacted about 15 or 20 potential new members and, and asked them about Rotary, what they thought of Rotary and what would attract what they would find attractive to actually join Rotary. We got a couple of outsiders to come in that we had a lot of confidence in and who were confident enough with us to be honest, and we asked them to sit through a few meetings and tell us what they thought of our meetings. So We did a lot of self-evaluation, a lot of looking in to make sure that we changed to be attractive and welcoming to new members. We looked at the meeting format. It was, des- it was desperately needed to, to look at modernising our meeting rituals, you know, the sergeant session, the invocation, the toasts. You know, that Initially, we thought we would have some resistance from it, particularly our older members. But as we talked through this and as we talked through what was happening at the Sydney club that was starting to get rid of these things, we found that the older members were cheering. When we announced that the Sydney club had got rid of the sergeant's session, uh, A at least 80-year-old member cheered in the middle of the meeting. Hooray! You know, and and that was generally felt right across. I think there was a feeling that the often sexist in-house sort of jokes and and Process of the sergeant session was past its time. We also needed to have a look at our website and our social media pages, our Instagram and our Facebook pages. Because, you know, if we're trying to attract young professional people, they look at this stuff. And we don't come across as being very professional if our image is not right, if we're advertising functions that we finished 12, 18 months before, if we put a, a you know, picture of the board that was two years old, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't come across as being very professional at all. And we weren't bad, but there were a few things on our website and on our Facebook page that we needed to tidy up. We need to make sure that, again, this is inviting, attractive in itself and up-to-date, and then finally, we needed to talk to our members about how they're going to talk with potential new members when we get them to come into the meetings. We don't want them hiving off in their little tables and just talking to themselves and leaving these potential new members standing there. So there was a lot of discussion about, about how they would, they would react. And in fact, what we did was we formed a little committee and there was three or four people every week that were at the welcome desk looking for new members and greeting them, welcoming them to the club and then taking them around and introducing them to a group of Rotarians and sitting them at that table. So we've got a house in order. We've got everyone on side with the need for change. How do we find these people? How do we find these potential new members? Well, you can access Rotary alumni, Ryla graduates and and, uh, exchange fellows and Rotaractors. Now, the Rotary Club of Adelaide works very closely with two Rotaract clubs, the Adelaide University one and the Theberton Senior College one. That photo there is the Adelaide University Rotaract Club at their annual cultural evening. We work very closely with both those clubs, and we also provide them with a half price lunch whenever they want to come to any of our meetings. So they can come for $15. And a lot of them come on a pretty regular basis. So we have a good working relationship with them and a good one to one relationship with them. And we are attracting a few of the Rotor Actors to our club ultimately. You can approach new small businesses, particularly if you're in a country area. If someone's starting up a new business, they're looking at networking, they're looking at being seen to support the community and Rotary seen as a good community support organisation, you know, you'll get some interest there. Look within your expanded families. Now, you know, I mean, I spoke to my son who was 38. Oh, God, I don't want to join Rotary <laughs> You know, I've got more important things to do. You know, might have been his initial reaction. I haven't got him to join yet, but he certainly has come along as we've changed the club and he certainly finds a lot more attractive and interesting. And I think, you know, uh, there are members, no doubt, of your wider family group that may well, given the right explanation and given the right environment, want to join clubs. Let's look at some of the others. Look within your workplaces and within your client bases. Approach business networks. Now, we were lucky enough to have an organiser of business networks. Now, business networks are all over Australia, in capital cities and in in larger country towns. And um, they're set up by an organisation. The younger business networking people are, are looking for opportunities to meet one another. Uh, they pay some of them pay about four grand a year, and that gives them sort of twenty or thirty breakfast meetings. They're expected to go to most of them. They're expected to bring to bring along a new business person to, to a meeting every month. So they're a great little group that are looking to support one another and work together. But they are also given the direction of some of these leaders within the networks looking at showing they have a community interest as well. And for, for many of the, the members of these groups, they've looked to Rotary as a potential organisation to link with and, or join and, in fact, see that part of what they believe their role in their community is. So have a look out for those. Look at your re- regular visitors and guests at normal meetings. Now, we're a large club, so we attract a fair few of those. But we went through all our records and found people that were coming on a pretty regular basis, and we got all their details. We looked at some of the networking functions that we undertook, and we got names of people that were regular attenders at those. And finally, we asked all our members to, to think about those sorts of possibilities and come up with three names and three email, with, with email addresses. That we could contact so at this stage in the first part of the the process which was towards the end of uh, the 215-216 year uh, we had about 350 names of potential new members so how do we go from the names to getting them to join how do we present rotary in a manner that interests them and is seen to be able to fill their needs, and will entice them to join. Well, I know they. they uh, Judy's on board here, and uh, uh, we talk about the Yes model. Well, I mean, we we thought of the special membership information evenings that the Yes Club had had used a lot. We actually conducted three of those in the early stages of this five-year period. The first one, I think, was in April 2016. Now, we had, at that stage, as I mentioned before, something like 350 names that we invited to the first, uh, let's call it a yes model uh, membership information evening. Of the 350 invites, we got replies from about 180. There are about 60-odd that, that said they couldn't come, they were interested but couldn't come. There was about 120 that said they would come and I think on the night we had about 108. So, and ultimately from that, we got something like 22 new members. So that wasn't a bad return. Now, how was the evening structured? Well, we provided free drinks and nibbles. We held it at the um, cathedral room at Adelaide Ival. Um, and we had... In that first one, we had six of our members speak and that was too many. The second and third ones, we dropped back to three and in the third one, we only had two of our members speak. We wanted more time to interact. Now, we didn't we didn't overwhelm these potential new members with our own members. We restricted that to about one member to about three new members or two new members maximum. Uh, and we chose the people from the club that we wanted to come along and represent the club on that night. Members who were open and 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 invite and welcoming in their own right, uh, and members who understood the process we we're trying to do. And, and I mean, there were others that said, "Look, I wouldn't be good at that anyway." So we didn't upset anyone in that process. But the first, the first one, as I said, we we had about a ultimately. A, 22 new members came out of that. The second one we followed up and we invited all of that 60-odd people that said, sorry, can't come that night, but I'm interested. And we got a few more, I think another 10 out of that. And then the third one was just to, uh, 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 that was a year later, so we're about 2018 by now. Um, that was a smaller group of about 50, and we got a few members out of that. Um At that point, we were pushing on 200 members and we didn't see the need to continue that model. We looked at other things, as I'll talk about in a minute. But that, I think, is a very good starting point. If you can get a critical mass of people that are potential members interested in Rotary, want to find a bit more out about it, but our lessons from that is don't try and talk too much, give them more time to eat and drink and mix with one another and talk to our supporting and encouraging Rotarians about Rotary without pushing it down their right? So that was our three attempts at the special membership evenings. What we did at those meetings though, was also uh, a factor in getting them to ultimately join. Now, in the first two meetings, we offered any of the people that went to those meetings, we offered them an, in, we got an invitation to come to lunch with us at one of our meetings. They had to fill out a form and we paid for their lunch um, and they came along. We also had ready and set to go on the night some key community projects that we were involved with over the following four to six weeks. And we invited them to come along and participate. So whether they wanted to come to a meeting or not, they could still come and participate with us in a couple of community projects, one or two. We we also invited them to other activities we were doing. And and one activity which evolved out of those early uh, membership information evenings was a business networking program that we set up 12 months before the pandemic Unfortunately, we had to halt it during the pandemic. But it was called Like Minds, and it was held in the body line room at the Adelaide Oval, and there were 70 places. It cost 25 bucks a head, and that was a whole lot of great nibbles, but they bought their own drinks. And each each meeting, we did one a month. We had a prominent business leader from South Australia speak, and we had one of our young younger Rotarians, there, there he is there, James is is um, James Packham is 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 the interviewer and the photo there is Glenn uh, Cooper from Cooper's brewery uh, and we limited it to about 35 of our club members and we got 35 outsiders to come we didn't push rotary we didn't even explain rotary we just made it a really good informative evening in the business networking context and we got a lot of interest out of that ultimately for people to come on and join the club. So while we haven't pursued after the first three meetings, the membership information evening, this thing like Like Minds is another way of attracting interest from potential new members and then ultimately getting them to join. Now, in all of these cases, we follow up the people that come to these meetings uh, and we send them our weekly bulletin for six weeks after they come. They haven't heard back from them, and then we, we we cut them off. We don't want to put them off. And we've put membership information on our website. And, and what's more, we showed interest in them. We're communicating, listening to them, uh, and, you know, one of the things that we talk about is what would you like out of an experience in Rotary? What would you like to do? And we've been able to... Um, encourage a lot of our new members to actually start up little projects within the club and I'll mention a couple of those later now having got them to this point where they' the club's on side the house is in order we've got all the names we've we've got people now wanting to join how do we welcome them and how do we retain them well we've got a mentoring program so every new member, has a mentor, and this is one of David's little projects, and you can see David there produced that brochure, uh, and he's talking to a a young new member, David Liu, from Taiwan. Um, And this is an important part, and we train our mentors. Well, that's actually a a membership, an information brochure on mentoring for members. We acknowledge them right from the beginning, and we make them feel welcome. We ask them what they want to do and we listen. We get them involved on committees as soon as possible. We use their members' profile. Now, all members in our club do a a sort of a one-page profile of their business background and experiences, Uh, and we can cross-reference interest groups out of that. And and so we we use them to link their membership profile with members with similar backgrounds and interests, and 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 we establish networks there. <coughs> we have these regular. We now have two a year, what we call new members evenings. Again, it's a uh, nibbles and and a few glasses of wine, uh, and. They talk to a a selected group, mainly from the membership committee and the board, who go along just to listen to them and explain anything they don't understand. But it's mainly about them forming networks amongst themselves. Uh, Now, here we've got two of our newer members. That's Yoti, the uh, convener of our chorus, our our choir. And on the left is Tatiana. She's come from uh, Romania. Now, she joined the club about two years ago and she's already got a project up and going, which the Rotary Club of Adelaide support to Romania where we collect a whole lot of kids' clothing and stuff and send it to poor communities in Romania. So both those those women have joined in the last four years and um, they are um, very much doing their own thing right from the start of their time within the club. Up here the, we have our young treasurer, Nick Handley, and he's talking to Priyanka, who's become a member, um, and we use him a lot in these membership information evenings. We used him a lot also in the new member fireside chat evenings uh, so that we weren't all old faces there talking with them. We asked them about themselves, and we, because we're a large club, we have a monthly fellowship nine. And um, essentially our guest speakers at those fellowship nights are our new members, uh, and they tell us a little bit about themselves. We've, one of our new members came, came from India. He was a film producer in Bollywood. I mean, his talk was absolutely fascinating. Um, but every, every month one of these new members talks. We have about 30, 30 of our members go along to those monthly social evenings. So that's the five steps. In closing, can I just say it is a holistic approach. It will work in most clubs, but it takes time. You know, we're, we're nearly six years into this process. We've fine-tuned it. We do things a little bit differently now. And essentially, we're just maintaining the numbers we want. And by nutrition, natural nutrition, because of the age of our membership and the attraction of new members, We're changing the profile of the club all the time, generating new ideas and new opportunities. And I think that's what makes clubs attractive to these potential new members, that there are opportunities that they can align with, that they want to be part of. But I stress it takes time. As I said at the beginning, that first step, making all club members aware that you had a problem, a significant problem, and if you didn't do much about it, you probably were going to be dead in the water in 10 or 15 years. So then getting them to commit to it and working through the whole process. It takes time and it needs the involvement and commitment of all your members. It also takes some money. We have an annual budget for the membership committee uh, and that pays for those new membership evenings. that paid for the new members' fireside chats um, and any other activities, brochures and so on for the mentors. And, I mean, if you're serious about it, then you need to put some time and money into it. It's not a minor cosmetic change. I get annoyed when people say, oh, yes, we've worked through those. You know, I spoke to the club about that last week and now we're starting to find new members and, you know, we're going to have a membership night in about six weeks. It doesn't work like that. It it takes time. It's a significant cultural change within your club. Because, you know, if, if you can get them all on side and committed to work together, you still got to make sure that the club culture changes to the extent that it is attractive and inviting to new members. Use the resources that are available through RI, through the district and other clubs. Address the changes that we find today in, in volunteering. Be flexible and accommodate meaningful opportunities for these new members. The image we portray is important. That's why it's so important to get your, your house in order and make it an attractive environment. What, how we portray ourselves even in public, you know, if we go out selling sausages at Bunnings, you know, if we're a club of only eight or ten members and all of us are over 70 and we're standing there and someone says, oh, where are you from? We wrote to Club X. How many members in your club? Oh, we've got eight. You know, and you look around and everyone's over 60 or seven, and I'm in that bike myself. <laughs> but, I mean, we we want to retain our old members, but we need to be careful what image we p- portray to the public because a lot, of, a lot of these younger members that we'd like to see join us often think of us as being sausage sizzlers at Bunnings. And if they also think we're old, you know, they probably think we're dead in the water. We've got to come across if we are selling sausages at Bunning, it's about telling them what we're doing with the money we're raising at the time. Young people will do fundraising. They will go along with hierarchical structures, but they want to feel that it's their choice. They want to feel that they're doing things. Listen to some of the Michael McQueen stuff. They've got to feel that it's going to be something that they're going to enjoy doing, and they'll do Things as a means to an end, like the fundraising. If they can see it's doing great service to the community, ultimately, and and with the money that's being being uh, obtained, working together has big advantages. I mean, I talked about some of the things we did as a big club. Now, you know, you might say, "Oh, that's all right. You can you can get a hundred people to a membership information evening. Uh, We're our club's only 20 members." Well, sure, but why don't you join up with two other Rotary Clubs so that you're 60 or 70 and between you run one membership evening? You know, we often think too, too insular in our thinking uh, many times. We need to, to look at the advantages of working together in bigger groups. That's just a few points from, from the talk. Thank you very much. I hope there was something in it for everyone. Thank you, Darcy. We
0: have some we do have some questions for you. Okay, First just, thing I'd say is that. that we we would normally uh, call a membership voice webinar to a close at the 60-minute mark. Given what I see as the importance of the, some, the the questions that I've received and the importance of this topic, um, I'm prepared to extend it, understanding that people may Uh, that people may leave if they they do have other commitments or or wish to. So the first question we have is one that Neil sent in, Neil from Atterdale sent in uh, before the webinar, and I'll I'll read it, Darcy. Darcy Atterdale is a medium-sized suburban club with an ageing membership. Without exception, family members have shown little interest in joining the club and there is limited scope to attract work associates. The days of approaching the local business proprietor as a likely member appear to have disappeared. Can you comment on this, please?
1: Yeah, look, none of this is easy. It's not even easy for big clubs. Um, I think, you know, if you're finding that sort of uh, resistance or you're not finding opportunities there that maybe we found, then look at the community, look at the issues, look into the multicultural elements of your community. As I said before, we've attracted a huge lot of new members from different ethnic backgrounds. And I mean, in some areas, our clubs are situated in in areas where there are issues in the community, maybe because of some integration of of different ethnic groups. You know, that would be a great thing to do as a Rotary Club with your local government unit, with your council, and get a, a presence in the community that everyone knows and acknowledges that in itself is going to be attractive to a number of people. And as you're doing this work, and people come along and watch and show some interest, invite them to join you. Young people, as I said before, want to serve. They want to be able to do the sorts of things that you might be able to be seen to be doing in those sort of communities. But you need to be seen as a vibrant and with it and evaluating a value-adding organisation for these people, I think. So, yeah, look, it's not easy. Neil, I know Neil, he's an old mate of mine at time. And Giovanna, hi. <laughs> um, yeah, look, look to the local community, look to maybe working with some other clubs in your area and hold one of these evenings and showcase what Rotary does. You know, I mean, we in that first membership information evening when we had too many speakers, we had, a, you know, a grants focus. We had uh, youth programs focus. We also had a focus on what RI's done in, in polio and so on. And people find that stuff really interesting. We we spent too much talking about all that stuff at that time. But there are elements of all the things we did that are valuable in a cut-down version in any of those presentations. So I'd say, Neil, you know, maybe get a two or three clubs to come together and look at different ways that you can Work through your, your local council and get into the community and make a presence and, in so doing, attract people to want to join you. Have some of these membership information nights with two or three clubs involved.
0: Thanks, Darcy. There was a supplementary element to Neil's question. I think it's appropriate to, uh, to go on to that. In an ideal world, it would be preferable to find a group within a younger age bracket, as I can see how daunting it could be, for one person from a generation gap to join, and I'm assuming that means to join a club of older people, an inner-city Rotary Club may be able to do this again in comments.
1: Yeah, look, there's no doubt it is daunting, but you will find some people that will break through that, and I think once you do break through it and you get one or two younger members, they and themselves attract others. If you can make it an enjoyable and rewarding experience for them, they'll bring along their friends. That's what we've found. We don't need the extensive membership information evenings because our me- newer members are bringing along their friends. And I think, uh, yeah, somehow or other, you've got, you got to break through there and try and get a couple of younger members to come along, maybe invite them in two or threes or, or give. I mean, give some incentive. Half the Jews for people under 35, that's what we do in our club. Um, you know, if you're under 35, you only have to pay half of you your right choice so you subsidize yeah. the future okay Sorry, so do I have a, another question david's with me uh, you know david and i were partners in this whole process david did the part one I and mean, david can step in and, and provide some answers as well
0: no worries um, a question then that that david might like to field um was there resistance to the change process, and if there was, how did you deal with the resistance?
2: Yeah, you're asking me that, Kara. Yes, I am. Yeah. I am, David. Yeah. Well, right from the beginning, uh, as Darcy said, we sought to engage our older members and have them on side and have them part of the whole thing. You know, we listened to them. We asked them what they thought was important in Rotary, and we kept all those things in mind. And as we embraced the change and made the changes, we not only explained what we were proposing, but we gave them opportunity to give feedback. And more importantly than that, we always explained why we were making the changes. The communication part of culture change is just so important and the why is just central to it. And when people see the why and they see the, st- you know, the statistics, the, and if we don't change and, you know, those Darcy were showing those statistics, they're not, they're not against things. They're, they're smart men they're in our club with mostly men and they've all been in senior leadership positions. They know. So, it, And I think most Rotarians, if you give them the information, the reasons why, the brutal facts, I like to call them, they understand. You know, we all know. We're not, we're not silly. And uh, if they don't and they want to sort of stand on their digs, well, others tell them. That's, so you know, the resistance sort of dissipated once you did the communication properly. So you. That, that
1: that process, we we did a cascade model. Like we had about 20 rot- Rotarians that uh, were sort of leaders and we gave them about eight members each with a whole lot of questions about the changes that we were proposing. And we got them to talk with, sit over lunch or or just talk with uh, those eight members. So we sort of we did just didn't send out a questionnaire or just didn't ask in a full meeting of a hundred odd members. But we, we actually tried to dig deeper and, and actually contact directly each member through this sort of network, this cascade model down to get the feedback.
2: The other yeah. thing that we did carry that um, Because older members are, you know, quite often they're stuck in the past. They, you know, that's what they're vested in, and they're not like as we get older, we don't like to change. But what we did uh, with our older members, we did a vocational profile on every one of our older members, and you know, a lot of the time, it's only, you know, three quarters of a page who they were, asked them questions, and a lot of them resisted it, but once they did it, it elevated them, and when we shared it with others. It was just so uplifting for people to to see uh, who they're lunching with. You know, some of their, these people would have wonderful careers and lives. And instead of going to a funeral and finding out all about them, you could sit next to them and you could read about it on the website. And it just enriched the the older members. They came with us on the journey because they felt valued. If, if, if you're changing and you're not valuing your older members of your society or your Oh, your club—you're in big
0: strife. I think that's such an important thing to do. Yeah, I, I note what Fiona, uh, what uh, MC, what uh, membership chair from nine five one zero Fiona is, is saying there—that so that's the important part. You involve them in the change and gave them a voice rather than doing the change to them. Yeah. There's also been an observation made in these uh, in the chat about ageist uh, assumptions about people too. So it sounds like you guys had a had a winner there. Um, question about change management to do with this. This is such an important topic, such an important opportunity. Would change management be a be a good topic to cover on its own? Because this could easily fall over uh, if uh, if if a club stumbled at that at that first at that early step.
1: Well, I mean, well, that can that's I just a, can I? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that really first know. step is an integral part of change management. You know, getting everyone to go with you, getting them to recognise that the the need for change, and then working together with them. You know, I mean, so there, there's in in that presentation I've just given, the the first few steps are a, an integral part of a change management process where you get commitment from everyone, a recognition that you have a problem that you need to work together on to solve. If you don't get that, you won't make the changes. You know, I I mentioned the six presidents. I know of another two women that that came in in following years as president in their club, great, great Rotarians, very keen and enthusiastic and implemented all these changes in their club. One year later, an older... Conservative element got back into the leadership positions within the club, and all the changes were thrown out the window. So, you know, this change management process has to be one where you get a meaningful involvement of everyone in the club, and you're not going anywhere. And so you have to, to, to allow it.
0: time for it.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I can just add to that, uh, you know, it's uh, as Darcy said, where you've got a following president who wants to take it back. I mean, that's a that's a real problem. You, you, you need to have the president, the president-elect and the president-nominee, at least those three people, committed to a strategic approach for the future and they all need to be working together. A troika of those three people is absolutely crucial. And as Darcy said, he mentioned those six presidents in our district to resign because they didn't go about it in, a, in a, and didn't have the support around them. To go about it in this way and that that's a big danger that's going to happen everywhere if it's not prop, properly done and i know sitting on this uh, zoom meeting i'm looking at fiona fiona who's a change management leader and i've got mary brell there who's uh, and judy ford who's engaged michael mcqueen we've got people right through rotary who, who know how to do change and we should be tapping into them And i know fiona for instance in our district is planning to do exactly that and help the President's uh, coming up in the next year to to overcome those resistance challenges. So that's the sort of thing we should be doing in the answer to that question, Caro. Yeah,
0: yes, I, yeah. Thank you, David. Geraldine um, has mentioned something there that uh, we haven't, I don't think it was specifically mentioned in the mentoring thing tonight. Two-way mentoring, is, is that is that part of your screen?
1: Two-way mentoring.
0: Yes.
1: Well, yeah, that, that's a that's a very uh, you know we
2: found when we're dealing particularly with the rotor actors, they can help us with so much uh, with Facebook and all the rest of it. Is that what you mean, Kara? Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it just deepens the relationship. The younger people are looking for you know that connection and guidance from people that have been experienced in the workforce, but they could,
1: they're so far ahead of us. So that's definitely a part of it. An integral part of a, a good mentor is a person who can listen well too. So I mean, to be able to listen to what they're saying and 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 the mentoring bit, as David said, we've used that a lot with the writers. Mm-hmm. And and I think the other thing with it and goes beyond mentoring to just acknowledging that these people come with a lot of skills and abilities and experiences before, yeah. and giving them opportunities to show those and use them as soon as they come into the club. You know, you hear people say, oh, you'll be a good Rotarian in 10 years when you know what it's all about. You know, I mean, you've got to get them in and let them go and, uh, you know, maybe help them through the process, but give them opportunities. Let them show us some things about them and about what they're good at. And it may make our club a better place to be in, anyway.
0: A couple of other questions, just changing tack slightly. Uh, one, One from Brian. Um the slides. The uh there's a lot of value there. And I think that some of us, at least some of our attendees, would like to get hold of a copy of them. Will that be okay, Darcy? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, mate. Um, for another Brian. Um th- regarding the two or three speakers at speaking at the membership meetings, how long did they speak for?
1: Oh, um I think we had about five minutes each. You know, so we had an intro, that was um, our young treasurer, uh, and then David spoke as president in the first one. I spoke about the global grant we had in the Philippines. Uh, and we had um, um, Phil Hoffman speak uh, about uh, business networking and rotary and stuff. He's a big uh, tourism operator here in South Australia. Um, we had Heidi, the current president, talk about the youth programs. They are all about five to six minutes we had down. And we had a, a short break in, in the middle, which was a bit of a waste of time, really, because you have a 10-minute break to fill up your glass and and have a, a nibble, but it didn't do much. So the second one, we only had three speakers, and the third one, we just had two.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Darcy. But,
1: uh, the other thing is the face of the people speaking is important too. Mm-hmm. Something that th- th- they can relate with and is opening. And, and that was, without being uh, disrespectful to all our members, we we needed to think about who represented the clubs at that, the club on those evenings, you know, because we wanted, we didn't want everyone who wanted to go come because we would have had too many so we made it very clear to them, and they were accepting of that. So obviously the, you know, the board and the um, membership committee that probably formed most of the group that went, but there were a few other members that you know long-term members that were part of the whole progression from the start, and and uh, you wanted to be involved. We had them there.
0: So Rofi Adelaide is is back into the business networking business networking game that a lot of clubs have uh, have moved away from?
1: Well, that, that like minds has been a fantastic thing. Unfortunately, we had to put it on hold during the during COVID time, but um, we're hoping to resurrect that again soon. Um, and that was, you know, I mean, our initial aim was to have 35 club members and 35 outsiders and not to push Rotary down their throats. You know, we hardly speak about Rotary. We just say that Rotary's uh, organised this. The Rotary Club of Angleades organised it. But we it's picked up some members event. from it.
0: Yeah. It's a vocational event, yeah.
1: yeah. Even the the initial membership information evenings, we tried not to push it down this, right, but in that context it was a bit hard not to. Mm.
0: Yeah. Another question from Carol.
1: Carol.
2: Carol, can I just say that... A couple of things coming through on chat. Uh, Fiona has made an offer, and she might want to talk about it. Uh, but also, um, other people are asking for copies of the slides as well. And uh, I don't know, you tend to send out the uh, recording as well. So,
0: hmm. no, um, if
2: this, comment, the slides will be made available to everyone. Fiona to say, it, would you? She's got a hand up. If you could allow Fiona to
0: say something. Sure.
2: Thank you. Sorry.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry, Fiona, I've accidentally muted you again. There we go. I
2: get the hint. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I offered the, I've put together a change leadership program that we're rolling out at PETS across our district that I'm happy to share with anybody and discuss if anybody wants a starting point. Um, But I've got so many comments coming through that I actually can't keep track of them. So I'm wondering if they can go through you or if I yeah. give it to you to share with them, I'm just, I can't Absolutely. write them down quick enough. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Anybody that wants that, from uh, Fiona, just, uh, just let me know. Fiona, uh, I'd love to have a chat with you about a membership voice appointment for that too. I think <laughs> it's, that would be great. That would be great. Um, yeah, this question from Carol, I, I, I think it's important because one of the things, one of the illusions that could travel with tonight is that for all, i got I'm a bit old and and, uh, and tired. Rotary Adelaide's a pretty wealthy club, so they can do stuff that poorer clubs can't do. And the question is this, from Carol. It's obvious that the venues are quality establishments. How important is venue quality to membership interest? Um, quality comes to the cost. Is this a barrier? If so, how do you overcome it?
1: Well, uh... We don't – I mean, we didn't pay – we have a good working relationship with the Adelaide Oval. That's where we meet every Wednesday lunchtime. So um, we didn't pay anything extra for those functions. Um, We didn't pay a lot of room hire for any of those functions we've had. Um, But I I don't think it's essential. Certainly – it certainly is impressive, and it gives an impression of professionalism about the whole thing, but um, it's not essential.
0: Hmm. Okay. It looks like we've... Well, A good comment there from Judy that uh, might be worth highlighting, that uh, uh, who we choose as our speakers in this day and age is pretty important because the quality of those speakers uh uh, can either switch on a guest or turn them right off.
1: True, true. But, yeah.
0: We're, Darcy, uh, you end. when I said our
1: speakers, we had yeah. too many speakers. We did go out of our way to make sure, as as Judy said, that they were were entertaining, not boring speakers. We just had too many of them.
0: Yeah. Darcy, we've come to the end of our formal questions. So, I don't think I've missed any direct ones there. Would you like to uh, to sum up before we before we close before we close for the night?
1: Well, I, I think I probably did that towards the end of the presentation. But uh, I would just like to say that it it's not a five minute wonder thing. This is a, a long term commitment, and a commitment that can only be made with the full uh, support of all your members, and virtually the full. Com- support of probably two or three presidents at least because, you know, the whole group, and David was the first in in the th- first president in the strategic plan, I was the second and the third. We were all worked together. We were a team, you know, and um, we're all committed to the same thing. You, it would be disastrous to have, you know, um, something like this set up and a... One or two years into the process, a president comes in and says, oh, I don't want this, you know. So it's essential, I think, that uh, you see it as a a long-term plan. You get the commitment not only of your members but the leaders during that period, uh, and that you work together and involve everyone in the process. They own it and they'll commit to it. They'll commit to the changes that they make because it's their changes.
0: Fantastic, thank you, Darcy. What I'm going to ask to do now is ask everyone to unmute because one habit that we've brought over to Zone Eight uh, is that we like to express our appreciation for the uh, uh, for our uh, for our guest speakers. So if you join me, please. Well, thank you, Darcy. And thank you, David. Darcy, and a quick plug before we go. Next month uh, in in our our keynote Tuesday, uh, the fourth Tuesday time slot, we have Adrian Roach giving a a pretty special uh, uh, take on creating and maintaining a new Rotary Club. We have Andy Rajapaxi with a 9640 uh, steamroller, uh, and Andy, of course, is moving into a special role supporting new club development uh, next year, so Andy will be presenting on that. And in July... The demon, girding the demon. We're going to be talking to uh, Naldretakis <laughs> about redistricting. So those four in the pipeline, and several more to, that we're still planning. So hope you can join us for at least some of those. Thank you, and good night, everyone. Thank good you. Night. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Girl. That was great. Thank you. See